Now, back to your tech report. We are back on your tech report. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles, and I am Marco Flatlow in Montreal. If you want to connect with us on our social media, it is at your tech report. Of course, don't forget uh, to email us. Contact at your tech report.com, Mitchell. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be professional. I'll start with the big old, <clears throat> yeah, so I can sound, have that nice, smooth radio Clear the sound. throat. Uh, Get it out. I cleared the throat. I know. It's like, this, this is what happens when you wake up early, Mark. I told you, this is why I try not to do it. Anyway, so it's no, it, and I feel like I give a little bit of this speech when we have our guest on, only because it puts a little bit of what we're doing in context. Obviously, we've been a tech show for many years on Sirius XM now. We love technology. We love all the things, all the way technology enhances our lives, all the cool, shiny things that we get to play with. It's wonderful. And I never complain. However... Being a child of the 60s and 70s, I also have a heavy joy, affinity, and love for things analog and old school. And one of the things I grew up with and I love to this day is board gaming, okay? And it is, you know, it is a little less tech than, you know, our traditional tech stuff that we talk about. We, with, our, with our next guest, we found a way to mix the technology angle in. But this one, this one is a special one because uh, there's a board game called Viticulture that I believe came out in back in 2013, I think was the release. And... Uh, widely acknowledged as one of the greatest board games of all time. Uh, been very successful. I think it's evergreen, and I'm going to argue with our guest about that because his definition is a little different than mine, and I can say it. Okay. Um, it's been successful since it came out. It's always popular, wonderful, multiple expansions that just make the game more streamlined and take the best parts of the of the extra content and put it in the main game. I mean, this game is, is amazing. And yet, Jamie Stegmeier, the man behind Stonemeyer Games, who's joining us now, added more there's actually more viticulture coming so i guess jamie first of all welcome welcome back this is what your third or fourth time now i think it's your fourth time with us maybe maybe when do we give out the award when does the award come the award comes i think after five or six Uh, i have to check (laughs) the criteria jamie it's it's a pin it's a pin just a pin it's a pin and a patch that you can put on your own hat we don't want to give you clothing with it. We don't want to make assumptions. So it's like it's a patch and a pin. We don't want to make it creepier than it needs to be. Let's put it that way. Um, but before we start, you know, Jamie, you know, um, we're going to talk about Viticulture and the new expansion, Viticulture World. We're going to talk about that, which is a, a literal game changer um, for the game itself and the way that it plays. Before we start, if you have watched Jamie Stegmeier, any of his videos, social media, Facebook Live videos, all the multiple YouTube videos he puts out, they're wonderful. You should go check them out. And uh, he talks about his life. He talks about games develop he helps other developers develop their games he loves disc golf a lot of great stuff but if you know jamie you know that he's a chocolate fanatic and he looks very fit so it's very i don't know where he hides i hate, he must have like I hate people like giant that. swollen ankles from all the chocolate he consumes but you never see them on camera it's creepy <laughs> yeah. so jamie sometime a lot of the times in the videos he has a chocolate of the day so you know what i did mark to honor our friend jamie stegmeyer i'm oh. bringing on a chocolate of the day but jamie i don't know that i'd recommend this chocolate, I'm actually going to have one. I don't know how well okay. it mixes with toothpaste. It's probably going to be hideous. This is great. Not this that makes great with. radio. Okay, so, all right. So th- for anyone out there, these treats are called chocolate-covered jelly rings. Now, they, so, okay. they sell Now, Mark knows what these are. I'm going to tell him in a second he'll know what they are. Now, they sell them at bulk candy stores, Jamie. But they're okay. most popular during the Jewish holidays, usually Passover. And they're sort of like this congealed the raspberry half, jelly half dipped in dark... Okay, these you have been around. That, that's more of a Passover thing near you because here the candy of choice is that the half moon ones. Oh, I've never seen that. I've, that's a but Canadian I, thing. The idea to dip, dip that in chocolate just is good business. Anyhow, continue. Okay, so, so yeah, this company, I guess Joyva is a company that makes them. They were, you know, originated in Brooklyn, just like me, but they were back in 1907. So these are, and they wow. come like this, unless, oh, I just popped one out. And yeah, so I'm going to have one to okay. celebrate. I gotta tell you, I love them, but I could see people not loving them and thinking they're chalky and quite disturbing. But 
you know, you can only get them in regular stores around Passover. So you have to like grab like five or six of them and then they're gone. So Jamie, I celebrate you coming on the show today with a disgusted and chocolate covered jelly ring oh because we God. love you. So there you go, my friend. Anyway. I love it. I love but, it. Uh, do you have a, it's, it's a little later where you are, obviously. Uh, have you had a chocolate this morning? Anything with your, I don't know how early you start because I'd imagine you don't start too early with the chocolate. Maybe you do. I every now and then around this time of day, so it's ten forty right now in okay. in St. Louis. Every now and then I'll get a little craving now, but I do have, I guess, a quick related, somewhat related chocolate story. Oh, where I, all right, let's hear. I went disc golfing on a hot day last weekend, and I really wanted some ice cream afterwards, <laughs> and so we stopped by Dairy Queen, mm-hmm. um, and I ordered what I what was called a mud pie. Uh, uh, what's the the? It's the frosting thing that they- concrete. Yeah. Okay. It's the it's the thing in the frosty whatever frost. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, fr- yeah. There was a surprise in there which I didn't anticipate. I thought it was going to be like Oreos, maybe some fudge and chocolate, Raisin and that's blade? it. <laughs> oh, no, there there was a yeah, I thought they thought some brownie in there too, but I didn't know. Some, yeah, some brownie in there too. That that part was great. Yeah. but kind of related to what you just said, Mitchell. There were also jelly worms, like gummy oh. worms. Oh in God, it that's right. Mud pie, like you know, there are worms in there. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I and like it, that. <laughs> It was un- that part was unpleasant. Like I was, it was li- licorice gummy worms in oh. a frozen dessert. Oh, uh, God. I ate around them, but uh, I-, I bet I would like what you just ate a little bit more than those gummy worms. I think worms. Uh, were there the Jerry Queen ones called blizzards or those McDonald's? Which yeah, blizzards? Blizzard. Blizzard. Okay, blizzard. Yeah, and then when they blizzard. serve them, when they make them, they have to turn them upside yeah, down. Yeah, my son loves the Oreo one. He, he goes for yes. but the mud pie. I never, I don't know if they have that here, but yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have that to check that. That sounds rather disgusting. I'm so yeah, sorry you had to deal it. with that. No, but they're great. Those, I mean, those are, we don't actually have a lot of dairy. This is great radio, right? Talking about food, but people can relate. We don't have Dairy Queens that many in Southern uh, California where we have them, but wherever you live, they're magically always half an hour away. So if you get that craving, yeah. you have to really want it because you're hopping in a car and you're like, oh, I'll right. go. But, you know, I'm, right. I'm glad you have, I'm sorry about the warm up. That's not a great way to start. Yeah, it, was, it was unexpected. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's right. You know what, though? Life is full of these things. So talking yeah. about unexpected, I'm using your brilliant segue to talk about uh, the latest expansion, Viticulture World. So talk yeah. a little bit because, you know, I know we jo- we've joked with you in the past about, you know, I think when you first came on trying to pick one of your favorite Stonemeyer games and we joked about, as many do, about it's like picking your favorite child. Well, if this is the, talking about your favorite child, this is your first birthed baby. Yeah. Um, you know, it was the it started on the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, the game was that the Kickstarter campaign was 2012 and it came out 2013. So kudos for that because that doesn't happen anymore with no. the pandemic <laughs> and everything, right? But uh, talk about a little about the, the genesis of that game because it really is an amazing piece of work that people, you know, have loved since the day it came out. Yeah, I guess a quick genesis of it is that it was the first game that I designed with intent of publishing it. I, at the time, I was fascinated by the Kickstarter platform. I still am, um, but I was fascinated as a creator with this platform where I could connect individually with everyone who was excited about the same thing that I was excited about creating. And so I designed a game that I thought would appeal both to uh, hobby gamers who, you know, many hobby gamers, I think we've talked about this, how hobby gamers somehow enjoy farming games. And it's a game that <laughs> We just talked about that right off the air, yeah. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, I wanted to appeal to people who maybe hadn't experienced modern gaming or whose only influence for for games had been like Monopoly and and, uh, older classic games like that. Um, So I wanted a a theme that could bridge the gap. And it did pretty well on Kickstarter back then. It raised, I think, around $64,000, which was a a lot back then for me or for, I think, for many projects, board game projects. And the game has just taken off over, over the years. It's uh, We've gone through a couple different editions until we figured out the right sweet spot for the game. We've had multiple ex- uh, expansions. And I think we just recently eclipsed over 200,000 units 
wow. of sale of the core game, which is a lot. And maybe do you want to throw in your evergreen argument there? You know what? First, with Jamie smiling now because yeah. uh, Jamie did this great video um, about evergreen games. And when whenever Jamie does a video, and I think you've started mixing in your own games more recently, like in the last <laughs> year or so, which is which is appropriate because your games would be at the top of a lot of the lists that you do. Uh, he did he did a, one of his lists on evergreen games, and he did not include Viticulture because it did not meet his criteria. He had a special criteria for what evergreen games were and what that definition for this particular video would be and was and my feeling was i had like a broader sort of and this is like a broader not for your the point of your video but like a broader scope thing you know thought about something that's evergreen as something that remains popular and relevant over an extended period of time regardless of where and when and will continue to do so and that when i think of viticulture that is exactly what i think because this game has so much appeal and it's one of the few worker placement games that i would even call a gateway game because it's so accessible in terms of the theme. It's so warm and inviting. You know, you have a vineyard and you're you're growing grapes and you have your workers harvesting and then you're selling the wine. The theme. It's one of the. It's one of those games, Jamie. And here's the best compliment I can give. You don't mind if you lose. It's so much fun. The ride is so much fun that you don't care. The experience is there. It's an experiential game, which I love. So now you're taking that, and now all of a sudden. It's it's no longer it's no longer competitive, which is great. It's it's one of the again a competitive game that I never minded losing, but now you take that all away and it's cooperative. Does this come from the fact that people wanted that, that you wanted that? How did that how did that transition sort of happen? Yeah, I, I, a lot of it. So we, I, I typically don't make expansions for games unless they really do add something special to it, and that something special can just be like more cards sometimes. But I don't right. want those cards to be so similar to the original cards that it. We might as well not have added in, in the first place. So we have some expansions like that. We have some expansions like Tuscany for Viticulture, which increases the complexity um, for the game for those who already know Viticulture pretty well. And every now and then, I like to do an expansion that kind of changes the game a little bit. We did this for Scythe with the Rise of Fenris, where we had a campaign expansion um, where you play through multiple games. In Viticulture World, we did something kind of similar where there are a bunch of different scenarios uh, where you are creating vineyards in different continents around the world. Each one feels a little different. And the other added twist, as you mentioned, is that instead of competing against the other players, you are cooperating with the other players to try to achieve success together. Mm. Uh, so just a, a big twist, a, something different. And I, I, we really don't have a full cooperative game yet. So it was the first time that we added a fully cooperative game to our lineup. I like how you said yet, and um, yeah. I know that because I know I've watched I've watched your videos. I know you're, you know, over over the years you've talked about toying with the idea of like an open world slash or you know cooperative game, and you know I'm sure when that happens, we will be among the first to know. But we don't ask questions and we don't do spoilers here. See, I honor your videos. We don't do spoilers. And I don't I don't pry and prod. Um, so one of the things we talked about, I think the last time we were here, and to tell you how egomaniacal I am, we had a conversation about accessibility and games yeah. being accessible, whether it's to different types of gamers, different levels of ability, uh, different player count, um, even the more traditional accessibility things with, you know, components for blind, uh, for, for blind mm -hmm. gamers and, you know, just different stuff. Um, but you are also accessible because you are open to your audience contributing both through their comments and, uh, you know, comments on the videos and the game boards and the people that you talk with that are Stonemaier champions of making suggestions and things. What would you do? What would you do differently? And I, am I right that you did not design this particular expansion? This was not your design. So That's talk right. about yeah. how that happened because you had to be open from the outside to again your 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 first huge hit and that's that's kind of a big deal handing that over to somebody that is not Jamie Stegmeier. 
this has happened a few times with our games where I, I put all the ideas that I have for the game into the core game often, and sometimes into the first expansion. And then I kind of run dry sometimes. And that's when I really start to pay attention to what fans are creating, what they're engaging with for the game. And so for Viticulture World, um, a few of the ideas in the expansion came from two designers, Mahir and uh, Francesco, who ended up being the designers of the game, where they just posted on the Viticulture, I think they posted on the Viticulture Facebook group, maybe on BoardGameGeek, oh, some wow. ideas that they had had that they had tested that weren't even cooperative related, but they were ideas that ended up finding their way into the final version of the game. I really liked what they showed in terms of their understanding of the core game and uh, their willingness to, to tweak that formula without deviating too far from the core game. So I reached out to both of them and asked if they would be interested in working on this expansion, and they did. Yeah. How was how, how that like, though? I mean, I, I mean, did you find that at times you were holding back feedback and stuff like that because there were things that you, you just didn't want to seem like you were over, overly, you know, godlike here? Because it is your baby, right? Yeah. It is, and, and I, I definitely took. Uh, I was the. I took the role of the developer, so I was there to to offer my knowledge of viticulture, my knowledge from and my experiences from playtesting the game, because the the designers would send me versions of the game and I would playtest it, and to kind of make sure that we kept the game on track for the original spirit of viticulture, which is that. Uh, in fact, there was one original version of the, of the cooperative expansion that deviated so far away from it that I was like, guys, we need to we need to pull this back a bit. Uh, okay. This has turned into a bit of a punishing game where you don't feel like you're running your own vineyard. And that's the opposite of what Viticulture is. It's a very rewarding game where you're constantly getting more and more stuff and deciding when to use that stuff and which stuff to use. And you very much have control over your own vineyard. Like Mitchell, you said that even if you lose in the core game of Viticulture, you probably have a sense of satisfaction that you built this thing, this unique Absolutely. thing. Um, and so I didn't want to lose that in the in the expansion. So we kind of that was my role, kind of to keep them on track for the the spirit of the core game while making it cooperative. Absolutely. And for our audience to put that in a little bit of perspective, I always try and like, you know, give analogies, especially to, to my world back from the entertainment world. It's like, think of your favorite television show that has had, you know, the same writer that, you know, the creator of the show, the showrunner that writes the episodes, all of a sudden, yeah. season two, a new writer comes in and you're like, well, and it's got to be also scary for that new writer because they have something to live up to here. They have to have that same voice because the audience will know, well, that, that voice or that pathing does not match what we've had so far. Even though it's a new thing, it still has to have that feeling. It has to have that viticulture feeling and yeah so i that would be that would be kind of scary for me not that losing control thing but making sure of that continuity that consistency you know so that's super cool but you know it, it would be one thing if you just you know released viticulture world which on its own is big and you know i see the box right there by the way mine has not arrived and much like when we had jamie on to talk about uh libertalia the you know the last game that came out when it was gale crest um my copy had not arrived right then I'm, I'm worried that while i'm doing this interview you know all of a sudden the doorbell's gonna ring UPS yeah. is going to come and be like, sorry, Jamie, great interview. Got to go. But it will be, you know, it will be really a celebration to you because it'll be your own thing that was coming here. Um, I, I, I talked to Mark a lot off, you know, off the air about things that we love and things that we love doing. And, you know, this this hobby brings me a lot of joy. One of the things that I love about the hobby, and it's it, again, Jamie, I've talked to you about this too, is, you know, the bits and pieces. And when I, whenever I get a game, I love the unwrapping and popping everything out and putting everything in its place. The only downside when all these expansions come out is, oh my gosh, I run out of room in the main box. I love all the expansions, but now everything doesn't fit in the main box. And I'm trying to find an elegant way of doing it without taking away and like jerry-rigging the whole thing. So uh, I think you have a solution for Viticulture fans, not to worry. Your Viticulture World expansion is going to be having a very safe home, no? 
Yes, yeah. So in addition to Viticulture World, which people can just buy the, the expansion itself and keep the box, it does have certain components that don't fit into the core box, not by design, but just because we needed a bigger board, namely, and we needed an organizer to keep all the different continent cards separately. But for those who want to organize everything together, we also made what we're calling the wine crate, which is an organizer box that can hold all viticulture stuff ever made, um, including it wasn't designed for this, but it is it can hold stuff from third party creators too, like Ooh. people who have made their own custom meeples and stuff like that. So, right. And one of the things that we did for this one in particular, I think we talked about the wingspan nesting box a little bit, which I haven't yes. revealed fully, but I've talked about it, what it is. It's a big box to hold all wingspan stuff. That right. is a big box. Um, <laughs> this box, I really tried to keep Keep it, I mean, it's big, but I try to keep it concise, as concise as possible so it doesn't take up too much shelf space. And so it is portable when you want to take it to someone else's game night. Oh, I, I love that. I can't wait. Go ahead, Mark. No, no, I was just I was just curious if, um, you know, the experience was one in which that you'd allow other people down the road to give their own, you know, different versions of add ons and and give their take on the game. If it was, you know, pleasant enough that you're like, oh, you know, this is cool. I'm still open to it. Yeah, I. There's only one line of games that we have where I said, you know, we, uh, we've made enough stuff. We've told the story. That's a side that kind of officially said uh, we're done making more stuff for side. But for Viticulture, it's still an open door. Like I, uh, the last expansion came out four years ago. So maybe in three, four, five years, if something else cool comes up, maybe we'll, we'll add something else new. I and really did with. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no I, was, I was telling Mitchell uh, before you came on that, you know, again, I'm, I'm admittedly not a board game guy. So I did have to do some research. And my research is, you know, reading articles and watching videos. And the way people were describing things, I'm like, this would make a really good video game. <laughs> and Mitchell said, I wonder if they actually ever uh, ever tried to adapt that. And uh, I guess, you know, here we are. I wonder if that's something that might be on a radar or be considered. There is a digital version of Viticulture, right. two of them now. There's one yeah. that you need other humans to play against. There's one that you can play against the AI with. Um, both of them currently only have the core game. Um, and for cooperative games, I don't know if they quite work as well digitally. Mitchell, maybe you have an example, but I don't know if I've ever played a cooperative game digitally because with cooperative games in particular, I really enjoy those across the table interactions. I with do too. People. Yeah. And I I've think that might that. be lost a little bit, but there are like couch co-op video games that people play. Yeah, and that's, that's like, true. I think, yeah. Can you think of any cooperative games that you played? I, I cannot. No, I cannot. Yeah. I cannot. But, you know, I think yeah. if, if you, maybe the original version without the, Without the cooperative version, the competitive version of Viticulture's video, yeah. that'd be very interesting. Because I started thinking, yeah. I talked to Mark. That's why we were talking about Farmville. I was like, you know, I got uh, really tired of Farmville because you know the, the theming wasn't like as much for me. And after a long period of time, I was like, but man, I could really get into harvesting grapes and selling my wine. And <laughs> uh -huh. I was like, yeah, it could be like a mobile game. We'll talk off the air. This would be fantastic. <laughs> billions. Um, there, there was something else I wanted to ask you regarding this, but. Uh, have you the one thing that I I don't think I've seen online or maybe I've missed it? Have you talked about pricing yet, or that has not been re revealed yet? I haven't officially revealed it yet, but I've said kind of it's in the ballpark of uh, Tuscany, the, the okay. first bigger okay. expansion, um, and the okay. wine crate is kind of it's less than the cost of viticulture. I didn't want it to go over the cost of the core game itself, but um, with freight shipping these days. It's you know it's Ugh. shipping a big box halfway around the world uh, is is pretty expensive. I'm I'm hoping still that that'll change a little bit, but that definitely knocks up the price a little bit. And, and I do want to mention if yeah. people get the wine crate, that does come with the expansion baked in already. Yes. So yeah, when they see the price, yeah. they should know that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and that was something that we we thought about a lot with we figured freight shipping when we were planning this like six to eight months ago, we figured freight shipping wasn't going to change that drastically. So we decided to make the first print run of the wine crate with Viticulture World inside the box just so that you're getting like, literally we would probably have to charge almost just as much for the wine crate by itself as with the entire expansion inside of it because of the, the space it requires. Um, so yeah, we figured that would be a better value for people. You know, you know what? I, I was going to ask you a question. And as I was, you know, also it's hard because I'm listening to while you're talking and I don't want to like tune out and go, yeah, yeah, Jamie, now, now it's my turn. Um, cause I, <laughs> I enjoy, I actually enjoy listening to you, but I, w I started to think about a question, just like the, the seed of an idea. I was like, let me ask Jamie, I know we've talked about it before, but in this landscape and this affects technology, it affects everything, your cars, where there are no cars cause there have no chips in them because the manufacturers can't have, don't have enough materials. Um, how you manage to stay on time in a world that doesn't in terms of your delivery. But I think my, I'm going to give you the answer that I instantly came up with and you tell me if I'm uh -huh. right. The nice thing is you don't reveal your games until they're ready to come to the consumer. So there's no, That's right. he announced that three years ago and he hasn't even talked about it in three years. There's none of that because you're smart about the way. Yeah. And when you're not bound to a Kickstarter where people know from the beginning when you're starting, you don't yeah. worry about it. You're not setting up false expectations. So I, I guess I answered my own question. If for the most part, yeah. I, I think okay. we still run into it a little bit because I now, I, I am very fortunate that people anticipate our announcements. And so sometimes I'll pre-announce our announcements. I'll say, okay, <laughs> in April, I'm going to announce, uh, I'm going to announce the Viticulture expansion. Um, <laughs> or in, in, you know, in August, I'm going to announce a new thing, things like that. Right, and right. so then once I know that once we get to August, people are going to bug me about that and be like, Jamie, you didn't actually announce anything this month. And so I, ha I have to even be careful about that. And we may have done that. I, I probably did that, do that a little bit prematurely for the culture world because of freight shipping. We're actually not going to do the pre-order until June instead of May, as we would normally do after an April announcement. So right. I, uh, yeah. It, and, but it really, it's a good, I think it's a good thing that people are that excited to know that there's an announcement coming up. That's, that's pretty cool to have. Unfortunately, oh, it's really cool. And you know, that's, as I've said multiple times, it's the one downside to anything Kickstarter related, whether it's your favorite board game or your famous pe favorite piece of tech that never would have made it to market if it weren't for a crowdfunding, you know, company. Um, the one downside is, you know, you have to wait and you have to have that excitement and be able to temper that enthusiasm to a certain extent, knowing there are going to be issues that are going to come up. But in this, world of you know this i was going to say post-covid word world but it's not post-covid really uh you know we still have these issues and they're going to be coming up so i think the way you do it is fantastic now i know at the time of this airing people are actually going to be able to order and pre-order their games so let people know where to go if they want to pre-order both the uh wine crate you know with the expansion or just the expansion itself yeah they can do it uh I and probably for people who are listening to this, if you go, if you just Google Stonemeyer Games, that'll be probably the easiest way for them to find it. Or even just Google Viticulture World, and that should uh, pop up and send you to our website. It's just a Shopify store where anyone can can pre-order the game there. Yeah, and we'll know, ship it within a few weeks. Yeah. yeah, no, you guys are great about the fast, fast shipping has been fantastic. And speaking of that, Jamie never mentions this because he's way too classy. I, however, <laughs> am not. Uh, I'm a proud Stonemeyer champion. Uh, it's it's a very low one-time sign-up fee, and for that price, uh, you get um, you get to you get to order your games a little bit more in advance. Not too far in advance, but you get you know selected ability to get your orders in a little quicker you get discounts 20 percent, i believe discount on all your games and shipping and you're also supporting a great company a great guy and all the great games and content that you've seen jamie create uh last thing jamie i have this crazy fantasy i promise this question will, will end a lot less creepy than it started um that because you said you know eventually you're going to come out to la we're going to get together either have a lunch or dinner it'll be great and i thought wouldn't it be fun to play a board game with jamie because i know we have a lot of the same tastes i watch your videos i think i just bought what's odin's right what, i ended up buying that from your video is it over oh, really? okay. ravens 
Jones. Yeah, I, 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 so it's like, yeah. that's my kind of game. So we have the cool. same taste. When you get together with friends or new people that come into your life that's like, oh my God, I, I can't, that'd be so much fun to play a game with Jamie. I, see, I would never ask you to play any of your own games because the thing that would be weird, like I have to teach my own game or blah, blah. Do you play your own games with people or is it weird to do that? And do you feel kind of like, uh, or is it fun to introduce them to your creations? Oh, it's, it's definitely fun to introduce them to my creations. I, I, I definitely love that. I never, I am one to never suggest it because I don't, you know, there's so many games that people are excited about at different times. I don't want to, if I, if I'm hanging out with someone, especially for the first time, I just want to play whatever they're excited to play, whether it's a new to them game, a new to me game. I'm always happy to teach them. I would say one of my favorite things though, is if someone has one of our games and knows it already really well, and they think they're pretty good at it, <laughs> it's fun for them to challenge me to it. Um, I'm not necessarily good at our games, but it's fun right. to go in with that attitude of, okay, I don't have to teach this game. We can just go at it and see how we do, or we can, we can cooperate together and see how we do that. Uh, that's a lot of fun for me. I would yeah. never be so bold. I think there'd be just the fun of saying, I played this fantastic game with its creator and it was a blast. <laughs> now I have all the secrets. Anyway, I, I know you're busy and I know whenever you fit, I always feel good when you fit us in because I know you have so much that you're doing. Uh, thank you for coming back. I'm very excited about Viticulture World and the wine crate and I can't wait to get mine and talk about it again on the air. So I guess since it's been like four times already, you got to come back for number five when you have your next announcement or when you just want to yeah. gab with us. Sure, sure. Um, I'm always happy to come up. And I'll, I'll try to do a better job of thinking of technology-related things in, with the board game industry, because there are, I mean, even though it is an analog industry, there's a lot of technology that goes into what we make, how we market, how we sell, things like that. So I'll, I'll think even more about design, that next time. Even design, and, and the design, design is very yeah. similar, believe it. Yeah, you, well, you said oh, the word, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, thanks for being with us. Uh, you guys at home, thanks for being with us as well. We'll uh, speak to you again next week on Your Tech Report. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Kids, I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we the perfect, perfect podcast, podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell, Blundell Network. Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because, because democracy, democracy is, is something, something you do. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.